This is Housebound. I'm Chris. I'm Holly. I'm Ashlyn. I'm Greg. And you're invited. Welcome to Housebound, a podcast we made because we needed company. On it, we talk about what's on our mind that day, and today we're going to tackle the subject of what exactly is Canadian cuisine. Now, we might not come to a definitive answer, uh, but I did want to kind of poll everybody and, and see just their thoughts on what was something that was just violently Canadian in cuisine world, and then and then kind of give you some... I found some stats on some polls that were done, and they kind of reveal what the general population of Canada feels is Canadian, and what there's some also some numbers and figures of where different regional dishes came into the Canadian cuisine and kind of was assimilated with Canadian culture. So they might not be originally Canadian, but have now been considered Canadian, if if that all makes sense. We're talking like poutine, where people are like, it's French. And then people are like, yeah, but it's like French Canadian, right? Yeah. You, you, under, you understand that whole aspect mm-hmm. of it. So um, I just wanted to just start off by saying um, that while I was looking into this a little bit, I found that actually Canada itself is made up of generally cuisines from um, four different let's call them roots. So we've got French, of course, and English or British. Um, First Nations is actually something that I have found regularly listed as one of the original roots of Canadian cuisine, which makes sense because they were here first. (laughs) And, um, and while, while in, in maybe my experience, there hasn't been a ton of that uh, First Nations element that I know of that's been adopted into maybe my own tastes or my own cuisine. Uh, I do know that there are other people out there who have it very closely affiliated with their um, with their dishes that they make on a regular basis. And so I think it obviously just depends on where you live. And, and then the final one is actually Scottish, which I guess surprises me, but I mm. guess at the, at, on the other hand, doesn't really surprise me. Um, I, don't, I don't know what exactly Scottish cuisine is either. So that's interesting. We'll probably get into that a little bit, um, a little bit later. But uh, yeah, obviously the, the one that we traditionally think of is the English Canadian cuisine, which is uh, very directly related to British cuisine, which, of course, um, the uh, um, the French cuisine uh, from like French Canada um, was something that was adopted into Canadian kind of cuisine culture. Uh, it kind of evolved from um, during the period of the fur trade. Uh, and so I don't know that that means that it wasn't necessarily in existence before then, but that's where it made the move over from very regional to a little bit more widespread across Canada. So anyways, just some just some fun facts. Uh, so we're in disagreement as to who exactly brought this topic up to our list of topics to 
look through on this podcast, but it was like seven months ago now that we made this list. So I am not surprised. We've been doing this for a while. Um, and I think my original thought when seeing this was I immediately thought of um, Chinese Canadian or however you want to however you want to to, to list that kind of cuisine um, because I remember hearing a podcast that was talking about all the different immigrants that uh, came over um, families that came over in uh, in like the 19th and 20th century and brought with them traditional um, Asian cuisine, but then modified it or just created different dishes using what was available in Canada. And as a result, we now have these, when we go to a Chinese restaurant and you eat stuff like ginger beef, which doesn't exist in actual China for cuisine. So I have a, I have a friend um, from China and I was telling her a story about chicken balls the other day and she was like, wait, what are chicken balls? And I was like, what do you mean? It's a Chinese food. And she's like, describe it to me. (laughs) So I described chicken balls to her. She's like, yeah, we don't eat those in China, at least not where I'm from. (laughs) Right. Okay. (laughs) So. Yeah. So Canadian cuisine is really just this mash of a bunch of different cultures and because we just all kind of showed up and brought with us and i mean like that's how anything works right like the area that you populate or that you um i, I don't know for lack of better words conquer or take over like you bring those cultures bring their culture with them right and so uh whether that's for good or ill um but uh yeah i i i don't know where exactly we can we can direct the um, conversation on this episode, but I was thinking it might be kind of fun for you to pitch to me just some of what your ideas of what are Canadian dishes. And then I've got my laptop here, so I can easily just like do a little quick Google search and see where did those oh, exactly come from. Because I think that that would be very interesting and revealing. So, and I've and I and again, I've got some statistics from a poll. I think like there's later, like iconic so. Canadian dishes like poutine and bannock and maple syrup and um, Mm -hmm. things like that that are like iconically Canadian. And those are the things that generally the ingredients for said dish are actually grown here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or harvested here or butchered here or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I think if you were to actually go into a lot of Canadians homes on like a Tuesday night for a home-cooked dinner, what we're going to eat is often dishes um, that were first uh, made popular in other countries. Yeah, Um, for sure. Like, you know, when you're having... I, I don't know what to think of, but there's a, like a lot of fruits and vegetables that we eat regularly that aren't grown in Canada and that we get imported from other countries. And it's not like our diet um, is super low on fruits and vegetables. We just import everything that we want um, from other countries. And so I think um, that that's something that makes like the average Canadian cuisine interesting is that there's, it's a lot of imported food and I don't think we necessarily eat tons 
of the stuff that we actually grow here. I could be wrong on that count. But Mm. what initially comes to my mind is uh, lentils. Mm. Like here in Saskatchewan, we grow a lot of lentils. There's a lot of lentil farming in this area. And yet most of it's shipped out of country because we don't eat them. Hmm. Yeah, Like they're in the stores and people might have a dish or two that they know how to make that uses lentils. But it's not like it's an ingredient staple to us. Or if you think of Canadian cuisine, that lentils are the first thing to come to your mind. Right. And yet we grow a huge amount of them and just ship them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. um, I think that that's something that, that kind of makes us unique is um, our food isn't necessarily all tied to what we grow here. Yeah. Actually, Saskatchewan accounts for 95% of Canada's export mm-hmm. wow. uh, on lentils. And Canada is the largest lentil exporter in the world. So <laughs> yeah. it's just kind of like, hey, they grow... They grow here. Take them. We don't want them. <laughs> I, I believe that most of them go to India, but I could it be could. totally wrong on that. It could be. Mm-hmm. So eat more lentils. They're cheap eat and they more grow here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Support local. Yep. Um, I stumbled across an article here from the University of Toronto about Bannock. And I think this is very revealing and I'm and it's great that we started the podcast the way that we did because this will make it very interesting to talk about even if just briefly, but um, it's from the University of Toronto uh, from their food services part of the university site. And it's a history of Bannock. And just the first couple of sentences, I'm just going to read verbatim here. So Bannock is a type of fry bread, which originates from Scotland. There we go. Uh, But was eventually adopted by the indigenous peoples of Canada, particularly the Métis of Western Canada. The Scottish cooked the bread on a griddle called a Bannock stone, which they placed on the floor in front of a fire. And Bannock stems from the Gaelic word, I'm assuming it's like banosh or banach, which means morsel, a short and sweet but accurate description. And so then in the 18th and 19th centuries, when the Scottish explorers were coming over, um, it says that the indigenous uh, of the area adopted it as their own. I like I haven't done too much research into that, so I don't want to like... I don't want to say, oh, they took Bannock from somebody. But I mean, like, I also don't think that that's a terrible thing because we take we're talking about food culture, about like adopting other people's food culture. So I don't think it's totally unreasonable to say, oh, some other culture came across and brought a dish with them. And then people that were here decided, yeah, that's a good dish or whatever Mm -hmm. and made it their own a bit. So but that's that's a side of it that I didn't know about. So if if you're listening to this and you know something that that completely throws that little history I just read under the bus, please. This would be a great opportunity to leave us a message (laughs) and email. And and you can, you can, yeah, you can email at us or correct us. uh, The housebound podcast at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm slash housebound slash message. And it'll take you to a little one minute message recorder. But anyways, that's, that's some of that Scottish side of things, which is so funny. Never would have believed you. Mm -hmm. If you didn't say it came from the U of T, which yeah. I feel like is a reputable <laughs> Yeah, I just source. Googled it. And it's like one of the <laughs> first ones that comes up. So yeah. yeah, that's so interesting. Crazy. Yeah, very interesting. And again, it might not be identical, right? Like they might have taken it and done it their own way. In fact, I'm sure that they did it their own way because of the region of the world. Mm-hmm. You just like, well, you would make, oh, we don't you have make, that ingredient here. Yeah, or, you would make it the way that you could make it easiest, right? Right. Right. And so I don't know exactly what the difference is, but that's maybe for another podcast. This is just fun, fun, interesting finding out stuff about food that we didn't know before, I guess, from our from 
our culture, quote unquote. Hmm. But now now I want to actually like know what is like First Nations food, because I know that that's one of like the primary ones that kind of pops into mind. Right. Like there's even that um, uh, like in town, there's the uh, what do you call them? Food trucks. Food trucks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Food trucks. Um, <laughs> and there's like that one that's like a like a bannock burger one, you know, oh my where, oh, right. delicious. where they make it out of, uh, you know, and so it's like because to me that that's like one of the main, um, you know, foods that uh, would have come from First Nations culture. But now now you're throwing me for loop, Chris. So now I now I question everything I once knew. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, indigenous cuisine is like simply a type of cuisine produced by using plants and species like uh, native to the area. So that could be for anywhere in the world. Um, If we're talking about Canada, of course, I don't have very much experience with that or very much knowledge of that. But uh, another quick search here shows that um, restaurants owned by First Nations restaurateurs in Canada are are typically using dishes consisting of beans and corn and squash, obviously amongst other things. Um, but yeah, it's it's just of the area stuff. So yeah, I mm-hmm. you, that could be a, a, a very, um, depending on which area of the world we're talking about, drastically different. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and the climate in Canada yeah. can range hugely depending on what area of Canada mm-hmm. you're in. You know, the climate in uh, BC versus the north is really different so i'm sure you're going to have different uh types of dishes that are coming out of those regions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like lentils i have i have a food that i have never eaten but um i have heard about that is from first nations people fermented beaver paws that's a thing that is eaten in canada Hmm. it sounds yucky to me but they apparently people like it (laughs) are they served whole um, so the story that I heard about it was actually a professor of mine that was making a point about not being too uppity up about our education for microbes. <laughs> because so the story was, there was this microbiologist that was living in the north. I don't remember which territory in the north. Um, but he saw that people were taking these beaver paws and they basically would just toss them behind the stove and then they would ferment and then they would eat them later, like several months later. Yeah. And he was like, that's, that's can't be good for them. Like, I don't, I don't think that's okay. At least put them in a plastic bag. And so the people, um, put them in a plastic bag and then tossed them behind the stove and then ate them. And then those, they got sick and he was like, why did they get sick? And so the the moral, well, the moral of the story, well, it was not botulism, but um, the moral of the story for what he was telling us was that you have to be careful because the aerobic bacteria weren't as bad as the anaerobic bacteria. And so the fermentation was okay when it was aerobic, but not when it was anaerobic. And so then Mm. they got sick and he was like, don't be so uppity about the knowledge that you know, think about Mm. things, (laughs) blah, 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 blah. But Mm -hmm. I I came away from that going, fermented beaver paws, that is now a thing that I know about. (laughs) Um, 
something that yeah stuff that strikes me as as being very canadian are things like uh like maple syrup and poutine as well which were mentioned earlier and mm-hmm. also butter tarts but i'm not sure if that that's because i'm mennonite that seems english or... butter tarts. <laughs> yeah you're not familiar with butter tarts I know butter tarts. I just don't associate them with Canada. <laughs> yeah, me either. I associate them with tea and crumpets. Well, and it might be a yeah. British thing, but that's why I was thinking that it was maybe mm. more of a Mennonite thing. Mm. Uh, is it? Is it? Did you look it up? Where does it come from? I'm looking it up right now. Butter tarts, butter tarts. There's lots of recipes, and they all seem to be histories that are at the top of the recipe things, like our one of our last conversations back in the 1700s yeah. when my great-grandmother yeah. came. <laughs> That's funny. Um, boy, um, I cannot seem to find something that just tells me really easily whether or not it's just considered a quintessential Canadian treat is what I'm seeing. Um, hmm, really? That's... That's all that I'm consistently see- seeing on it, and I don't want to spend hours and hours looking at it. But mm-hmm. um, um, I have an idea. Sure. So I've been having trouble trying to think of things that I think are outright Canadian. Yeah. But maybe if we try to think of things that we that are normal to us, but we don't know the specific background of, so like pepper nuts. Um, if you're familiar with those little cookie things. I don't know where those come from. Is that a thing that's like Canadian or is it some other place? I don't know. Looking for lack of knowledge rather than actual knowledge? Well, I know them as papanate. Oh, so maybe they're like German or something. I think they're German. Mm. Well, it it is okay. it is a there it there is a low German word for it as well. So, there's German and low German and then the English translation which I guess is peppernut. But that's how I know them again is like butter tarts and pepper nuts and stuff like that are through my Mennonite background. Mm-hmm. Um, New Year's cookies, roll kuchen. I butchered that roll word kuchen probably, but it's definitely mm. Mennonite. Yeah. Or what um, a food that um, like I've had from Greg's grandparents as well as my own grandparents, but everybody always like flinches when they hear the word of what it's called, which is ammonia cookies. What (laughs) is that? (laughs) So I think if you can go to Nutter's in Saskatoon, you can buy Baker's ammonia, which is not the same as cleaning ammonia. (laughs) (laughs) I should hope not. But it, it has this sort of like it, they're, um, they're minty cookies with like a mint, a green mint frosting and they're kind of like a like a puffy sugar cookie with this green mint frosting um and the cookie has this baker's ammonia in it and probably some peppermint extract as well mm. but it kind of has this like when you bite into it it has that like minty taste like scope. chill you know in your mouth <laughs> and that's the combination of likely whatever peppermint extract that's in there and baker's ammonia interesting <laughs> I'm not sure where the ingredient comes from. It just, I, it seems Mennonite because it's all my Mennonite family that cooks it. We slanted on the more peppermint side. So we just called them peppermint cookies. Oh, interesting. Oh, I always grew up with them ammonia cookies. Which I think is a little easier to swallow. Peppermint? Uh-huh. The peppermint, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for like for myself when it comes to Canadian cuisine, I, yeah, I think like the top ones are definitely like poutine is always like that that's like 
uh, at least from outsiders perspective, that's definitely what Canadians eat for breakfast, lunch and supper. Um, you know, like that's and and then probably throwing some syrup on top of that, you know, and uh, <laughs> frying up some bacon to put over top of that. So, oh, yeah, yeah, bacon. I, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that it's yeah, it's interesting how I I feel a lot of our maybe more um, Canadian foods sort of also are like more North American in general, like kind of mm. that more. Um, so like, I don't know, like hamburgers, those to me, like seem like more of a North American thing than maybe European and maybe I'm wrong, but. Um, yeah. Who came up with that? I feel that it was started in the Europe, like Denmark or something, but uh, I mean, if you watch the old Disney film, Kid in King Arthur's Court, uh, they talk about the invention of the cheeseburger, but that's because he came, he went back through time. Yeah. So I don't think that's, <laughs> that's a little, that's that time traveling. That's a cyclical invention yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, and also like, I know that when people visit here in North America, like they are surprised by how much sugar we have in our stuff. Mm-hmm. So like our cereal sugars are very, very sugary. Um, Especially because uh, we don't grow any sugar cane. Yeah. Like, that's not a yeah. thing that we can grow here. Um, yeah. The coffee crisp chocolate bar that Nestle makes is manufactured in Toronto. And it's only um, available in Canada outside of being when it's shipped to other places. Um, oh, but that's kind of similar to ketchup chips being like a flavor mm. that's only available oh, in yeah, Canada. That's true usually or all dressed yeah uh, yeah all dressed ketchup and i think barbecue or oh no no dill pickle um pickle (laughs) uh those are like flavors that are like a canadian thing and when you go to the states they're Mm -hmm. like what's ketchup chips i've never yeah (laughs) that's crazy they don't know ketchup chips oh you poor people but sorry all of you out there in podcast land you don't get to eat ketchup chips. There's also a weird thing with the states, and I can't remember exactly how it works or if it's even relevant anymore because they might have started carrying this uh, stateside now. But in Canada, we have Smarties, and there they have Rockets, or like you know, you know what Rocket candies are in oh, Canada? Yeah. They're those little Halloween candies that you get in the clear. Yeah, cellophane. they're just pure pucks of sugar. Yeah, and like we have. Like, I think they have those there, but call them Smarties or some weird, twisty nonsense that has to do with that candy being, like, <laughs> available in one location but not the other, but having the same name. Um, Interesting. Strange. Yeah, curious. Yeah. Um, in 2010, the Globe and Mail conducted a Facebook poll. And so out of all of the people that replied on Facebook, which, I mean, I guess that can't be considered a general consensus of Canada, but um, <laughs> people were asked about different Canadian national dishes, what they thought, and and outside of maple syrup being the highest <laughs> voted for, um, the next highest ones in order were 51% of people said poutine, um, yeah. 14% of people said Montreal-style bagels. Uh, 11% of people said salmon, salmon jerky or dried smoked salmon. Uh, 10% of people said pierogies. 7% of people said ketchup chips. 4% of people said a Nova Scotian donair, 
I don't know why oh, some of yeah. these are region specific. Yeah. Um, 1% of people said the California roll. So I think maybe like Canadians were like, uh, yeah, sushi is a cool cultural thing, but I'm a wuss. And, <laughs> and then, easy to eat. and then in 2012, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, um, conducted a survey and, um, uh, for Canada's most iconic foods. And those, be- those included, um, the, res- the, the top responses were maple syrup and poutine, of course, again. Um, but also the smoked salmon, which was about 11% of people had said that in the previous, um, uh, years poll, uh, butter tarts, Hmm. and also Nanaimo bars. Oh, yes. And I'm very familiar with Nanaimo, Nanaimo bars, but have yeah. no idea yeah. as to the history of them. So, All I know about Nanaimo bars is that other countries don't have them. <laughs> and that we have a place called Nanaimo, BC, I think, right? Isn't that in BC? Is it related? I don't know, but perhaps. <laughs> Quick Google it, Chris. I'm doing it. Okay, so it looks like Nanaimo is a dessert item of Canada, Canadian origin. Yes, um, its origins. Um, the earliest confirmed printed copy of the recipe using the name Nanaimo bars appears in a cookbook from 1953. Uh, however, that's very recent. Um, somebody else has a same recipe published somewhere else from the same year under the name London Fog Bar. And oh. what they don't taste like London Fog. They don't, and I feel like London Fog like bars or treats or something is something people have since created to taste like actual London Fog drinks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it might be kind of ambiguous as to where exactly it originated uh there's other references to it back from 1930 where it was said to be locally known as chocolate fridge cake and one modern reference even mentions the bar's existence in 19th century nanaimo which that modern reference is um from an author named matt preston in 2005 and it looks like he posted a blog post called tried trio and I don't know, without going through the blog post, maybe he has a resource in it, but maybe not also. So maybe it's just kind of one of those ambiguous things that just kind of appeared or. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely mm. um, with uh, donairs, that's that's definitely one that uh, um, a coworker of mine would probably say I should be shamed that I didn't think of that because he is from the <laughs> East Coast and always raves about donairs and was so happy when King of Donair announced that they were like setting up shop here in Saskatoon. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's 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 also that particular sauce. That's like the sweet sauce that gets added on to it. That kind of makes it. um, Yeah, its own thing. So, yeah, I don't think I've ever eaten a donair, but also I don't know anything about them. I assume that they were from like India or something. They're from Canada. Is that what you're telling um, me? They are... Or at least the first King of Donaire location was in Halifax, I believe. Yes. Interesting. Which is a, a, a chain of Donaire yeah. places. Mm. But I'm not sure if that has ties to the history or not. Hmm. Crazy. I'm trying to... I'm trying to yeah, there's like the really Halifax Donaire. Yeah. yeah, so King of Donaire restaurants was established in Halifax in 1973 by a Greek immigrant who popularized mm-hmm. Donaire in the city. Yep. So 
the doner kebab is something that's um from greece uh that makes ob- sense obviously too. from from yeah. or that one is from a greek origin uh, i think yeah. i also did think that doner was something middle eastern in origin but well there's like shawarma which, which is which, different which is different similar yeah. but different yeah right um, and this one particularly has that sweet sauce, like the Halifax Donailer has that um, sweet sauce that they add to it, which kind of gives that savory sweet taste to it, um, making it a bit more unique. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, since the establishment of it, um, there have been uh, other versions of it that have been kind of created and popularized like uh it looks like there's also a, a turkish doner um and it's really hard to speed read things but uh, <laughs> it's it's become something of a like not mainstream maybe not mainstream cultural thing but it's become something that's become fairly entwined in the canadian culture so that 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 style of the dish again just like the scottish bannock whatever they had uh it comes across and it gets kind of assimilated into into what we eat and then and then takes on its own form or the 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 chinese canadian cuisine that are is either modified or just created for the region and then we go forward decades later and yeah, oh yeah, that's Canadian and hmm. people from that actual region are like this doesn't exist or this exists but not nearly the same way as what hmm. where it exists for you. Um so yeah, this I I wish I could remember it was a CBC Radio 1 podcast that I had been listening to that was talking about those Chinese Canadian cuisines. Uh but there was there was very blatant uh region specific Chinese Canadian cuisine that People from Alberta and Saskatchewan knew of ginger beef, but nobody else anywhere else. Like people in Nova Scotia, people were like, I I, I traveled for work one day and tried it and it's great. Why don't we have it here? And so it's because that family decided not to make that, I guess. So, um, yeah, if I can if I can source that podcast, I'll definitely post the link to it in the description notes for this episode, because that's super interesting. But yeah, I think like having lived overseas, I don't think there's much of a perception like i think we all can kind of go like oh that's like um uh indian cuisine or oh that's uh thai cuisine or you know like and we kind of have a sense for italian yeah exactly right but i feel because canada is just this hodgepodge um of uh you know it's like it's that whole melting pot thing where we just kind of we bring in pretty well things from yeah like greece scotland and um you know and and uh, and obviously um asian foods we bring those into play and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like we it makes it so that we create um an identity that's not necessarily fully unique but kind of just is borrowing from other places and cultures um yeah i but it's interesting because even like i do know like uh tim horton's is definitely something that is like a Canadian um, restaurant that uh, that does while it doesn't necessarily serve unique food in a way, I think like 
like uh, when I was living overseas, that's definitely one of those things where, you know, like having donuts of that variety and that, you know, and those flavors was something that I missed. And I know that Tim Hortons has even branched out into other cultures around or other communities around the world. Um, yes. And so I think that's like maybe that's sort of the Canadian identity that we've at least like marketed yeah. um, as this is us, you know, <laughs> right. but it, it's, apparently it's, there is a Tim Hortons in the Dubai airport and yeah. someone that we know really loves when she yep. she's a flight attendant. She likes it when they stop in Dubai because she's like, then I get to have Tim Hortons. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I think there's some place in Europe as well that has one, and I think they've reached well, out to the states. Well, it was States, sold. Right? A few it was years sold. Ago. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Wendy's US, owns so. Tim's. The same yep. person that owns Wendy's owns Tim Hortons now, and yeah, uh, yeah. I remember that. I remember very little about when when that went down, but I remember like I think I might have only been like five or six at the time. But I remember when I was slightly older and learning about it, people were like, "Ah, they sold out. <laughs> they sold <laughs> out." It's like, well, ah. sure, but they also it probably still made seems a butt ton of money. Very so. Canadian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what selling out is. Mm-hmm. Making a butt ton of money. <laughs> selling out is or, very yeah. Canadian. Great. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. <laughs> this has been uh, very, very interesting, and I'm sure we could go on for hours and hours about all of our different theories. Uh, I did want to leave you with uh, one, not surprising one, but just one that I thought was cool. Um, just a really quick story about, uh, and and I might pronounce the last name wrong because I've heard people pronounce it two different ways. But uh, John just McIntosh, say both ways. John McIntosh or Macintosh in the 1800s, he and his McIntosh? wife grafted um, a tree, and and that is what brought about the Macintosh or McIntosh apple. So that's something that is Canadian. So if you're at the grocery store and you see those Macintosh or McIntosh apples. I've heard them pronounced both ways. Don't at me. <laughs> that is um, McIntosh is just wrong. That is wrong. <laughs> well I mean I don't there's no A. It's M C I. So I don't McIntosh? know. McIntosh? I could I can see both sides of the story. That doesn't mean that you would say Osh differently than ish. If there's no A, no one my- knows what I'm talking about. Everybody, everybody in yeah. podcast land, every one of my co-hosts here is looking at me on Zoom like I've just said something in some other language. Like, dazed and confused. Zero face. idea what I just said. Um. So, yeah. So that's super interesting. And that's super yeah. fun because it's... Well, it's grafting. Grafting is super cool. Taking yes. taking a couple of plants and like merging them together cool. to make yeah. different plants and different species of plants is super awesome and uh yeah so that's that's just fun we know that we know that uh canadians uh have uh, have a history of inventing cool things whether that's penicillin or inventing trees yeah or or, or a different kind of a apple ca- a canadian <laughs> apple a day keeps the doctor away right so you know we're all about that only the apple doctors Thanks for indulging us in this episode. Like we mentioned before, if you want to get in contact, you can email at us, whether that's angrily or supportively. And <laughs> and that email address is thehousebound_podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Throw us a DM. 
if you're on one of those sites, or you can check out our podcast hub, which starts at anchor.fm slash housebound, but also branches out across many other platforms. So if you want to leave us a message, just check the description box of any of these episodes, and there'll be a link in there to leave us a little one minute message. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for this week. We'll chat with you again. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.